Hello and welcome again to another episode of Third and Gold Podcast. I'm Dan and as always I am joined by Rob and Fred. Uh, and today we continue our look back at the 2020 season uh, around certain teams in particular. And today we're going to have a look at the Houston Texans. Opened the season with a very tough schedule, finished up 4-12, and and it just seems to be falling apart around them from the outside looking in at the minute. Uh, we're joined by Graham, who, who is a, a Houston Texans fan, and he's going to give us the inside scoop on on, on what they feel uh, as fans of the old franchise. How are you, Graham? Are you well, sir? Yeah, I'm fine. Thanks for having me on. No, no trouble. Thank you for joining us. Uh, and for those of you that obviously can't see, we ran on audio. Graham has probably the most spectacular UK-based fan cave I have ever seen looking here. So, <laughs> sadly, you lot are missing out on this, but you've, you've put a lot of time and effort into that, Graham. Yeah, yeah, it's been about a year of build, and it's, well, obviously, it's still going. I think I've been quoted as saying it'll never be finished, so, yeah. Well done to you, so that is impressive. So, so the Texans, I mean, they opened the season, right? A game against the Chiefs, always going to be tough yeah. on paper. Uh, and the first couple of games never looked great for them. I mean, how did you see that first game went and then into the, into the next couple? Where was your season shaping up and how did you feel as a fan after that opening four games? Yeah, to be fair, I thought we were going to start one and three. I thought we might have got something out of the Vikings game. But when you look at the other three teams on the start of that schedule, it was, it was tough. It's a tough opener. I think it's one of the hardest openers there's been in, in league history over four games. So... To come away with anything more than one win would have been spectacular. Um, we, we ran teams close in that, but um, you're going up against the, the Super Bowl champs in the first one, someone who you had a huge lead over in the playoffs and threw it away. So maybe there was a bad taste of that game. You know, there was a lot of demons to, to exercise there and we just couldn't do it. But it, it was a tough starting schedule. Um, I was I wasn't surprised in the least at how we started that season. So yeah, and it never really improved much over the entirety of the season. You know, losing Bill O'Brien, uh, head coach. So yeah. So you opened up in four, as you said. You had one of the hardest starts away at Kansas, Baltimore Ravens at home, travelled to Pittsburgh, and then the Vikings. Yeah. You then picked up a win against Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe that's where you thought, all right, we can kick on from here. But you know, you followed that up with back-to-back losses again at Tennessee and Green Bay, uh, an overtime loss as well. I think it was at Tennessee in Week Six. So, did that really stop any momentum you was trying to build right there, yeah. flat yeah, out? I think, yeah, I think so. I think if we'd managed to hang on in the Tennessee game, things could have been slightly different. I don't think the end of the season would have been much of a. We might have had one or two more wins. But if you look at our season, I think there was eight games that were one-score possessions. I think it was at least eight, uh, which means that you you were there or thereabout, but you just couldn't finish games. Mm. You know, look at the Colts games when they fumbled on the goal line Mm. on the game-winning drive. And then I think look at the Tennessee game in it overtime, lost the, the coin flip, never seen the ball again. And then we, I think they, they bounced one in off the post to beat us at NRG in their game-winning field goal. So there was factors against us in that. But I, I really don't think the outcome would have been any more than a losing season. 
the way the team is shaped up. No defence. You know, Watson could have put up as many number on the board positively as you want, but I don't think we would ever manage to hold teams out long enough through our defence. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of games looking at your schedule. I mean, Cleveland and Chicago were two of them where you only managed to score seven points. Yeah. I mean, what sort of, you know, what went wrong on the offensive side of the ball in, in those two games? I think they just schemed better for us. You know, they, I think, was it the, the Cleveland game? Was that, or both those games were games that we were missing. Was that when Wolf Fuller went out, you know, with the suspension? You know, we might have been trying to find an, another new identity after trading away Hopkins. You know, Fuller went in a wide receiver one. I think Cobb was actually injured in one of those games. So we were in. David Johnson isn't wasn't really the, the bell cow that we were hoping for mm. in that trade. Well, that Bill was hoping for in that trade. I think everyone else knew. You know, any yeah. one of you guys would probably have known that was the case. Um, so I don't think there was enough identity in those games. Uh, Chicago, they can get after the QB. And when you forced our O line getting better, but it still wasn't strong enough. And if you could get pressure early on Watson, that maybe pressured him to make bad decisions. He he likes to hold on to the ball sometimes too long, and he, he tries to make plays every time he gets the ball. And, and sometimes he can, sometimes he can't. And then those games, it was a case of you can't. Even even Cleveland's front, yeah, you know their pressure is it's, it's scary. You know. It was it, it would scare offenses throughout the league. So with a weak O line and a quarterback that likes to make plays with every time he gets the ball, um, you're going to find yourself either not scoring or you're going to light it up. And in those two games, it, it tended to be not scoring. So I think yeah, I mean, what you did your job in against Cleveland defensively. I mean, it seems crazy to say you only scored seven points, but you're only a field goal behind. It ended yeah. ten seven. I mean, just. Ridiculous. I seen I think I was watching that on, on Red Zone and I was just thinking like what is going on there? Like Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the frustrating part, you know, when the when the offense let you like it was very few games that the offense let us down, in my opinion. Uh in those close close games that were low scoring, you could tell that well it was frustrating as a fan because you know that how many points your team can put up. And for the defense to actually click in a game and, and stifle the opposition, you're like, here we go. We, we've got another win here. But, yeah, frustrating, man. It's a frustrating season. It's a frustrating off-season. To be fair, I mean, with the Cleveland game, Cleveland were very, very good at winning those tight, low-scoring games all through the season. You mentioned the pressure. And, you know, realistically, where you guys are at as a side or where you were at as a side versus where they were at as a side... <laughs> I think the Browns get you can't beat yourself up too much with the Browns game and yeah. you mentioned Chicago where you only scored seven points I think that's the one where if I was a Texans fan I would be a bit more angry I know, I know you lost quite comfortably but I'd be very angry to only put up seven points against Chicago you mentioned they can only they can get at the QB but yeah. about the two that's the one that I think I'd sit there and think well, how have we lost that so heavily why have we only put seven points up yeah. Cleveland is slightly different kettle of fish but the week after the Cleveland game you came came to play us the Pats and 
we were sort of horrendously indifferent. I, mean, I wonder what your thoughts on us were, but I think, you know, what had a day out, I thought what was superb for you and, and Watson was very good. And for me, it was a case of your two best players playing really very well. Um, and we lacked identity, uh, to be honest, that's probably shown. And we had a quarterback who can't throw as well. Um, you really impressed me that day, to be fair. I mean, I don't know what your perception of that game was, but 27-20 and a, and a win, you must have been pretty happy well, overall. It's interesting you saying that, like, um, that you were impressed by how the Texans played. And it's, it's funny because the Texans, for me, never really get a lot of airtime when it comes to analysis or anything like that. So when you hear other people saying that they're impressed with the team, you must look at it and go, how is there so many issues with this team? If, if you can if you if you can be impressive, you know. But it takes your two best players to play at their best mm. to get you there. And you can't, to me, you can't rely on that those two guys every game. You know, I mean what what, what, team game. what was phenomenal when you batted down four cam passes and I know our protection for cam isn't great, don't get me wrong, but yeah. you know, I don't I don't recall anyone else batting down four passes, you know. Um and yeah, that was just you were just absolutely phenomenal defensively that day. From well, in in crucial situations for me, I know you sort of conceded twenty points, but in every every big situation in that game, you seemed to come up trumps, and, and yeah. we didn't. That was the story of our season, I guess, really. But yeah, no, it was yeah, your two best players are absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it's funny as well, like the Pats game. And the, the, the Browns game, no offence, but it's almost like two teams were meeting each other on different trajectories, if you know what I mean. Mm. The Browns were, are, were very much and are very much on the up for me just now. And they met us on the down, but any other Sunday, any other year, that game could have went our way. And much the same with the Pats. I think the Pats are struggling just now with their identity, moving on from, you know, the, the dynasty and we took a full advantage of that because we've given the Pats a few good games over the last <coughs> and one of the best ones that you beat us in was when Jacoby Brissett was playing and it's like what? you know what I mean? you think that's the chance to beat these guys and then the, the, the running QB out of nowhere comes in I think that was an NRG and you, you whipped us so this goes to show you any given Sunday, man. I mean, we've touched on it there that those middle weeks killed your season, right? The overtime loss to Tennessee, the Cleveland loss. If you turn those two around, you end up at six and five, not four and seven, heading into week 13, and a totally different prospect and potential outlook ahead. You never, you got to week 13 at four and seven, and then if the wheels were hanging on, they proverbially fell off, right? To me, those games against like your division opponents, you know, the overtime loss to Tennessee, the the one off the post for, against Tennessee, the goal line fumble against the Colts, those games come up huge. You know, divisional games really matter in those situations. And I think all four of those games were decided by, like, they were like a, a two points, a point maybe even three points. There wasn't a lot in that four games, the two against the Colts and the two against the Titans. If you turn those four games round, you're sitting pretty in your division, you know, because really all you have to do is look at, look at the NFC East, that dumpster, you know. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, the problem for me is, I mean, you gave up 83 points though, in two games against Tennessee. That's yeah. where the problem lies, right? You, you yeah, can't score right. 36 and 38 and lose games at this level. And about 5,000 yards to Derek Henry. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure his bonus payback it. Thanks, you guys, for that. But, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you had Deshaun Watson. You had some players that could make plays. As you say, I think I'm a, the guys will tell you I'm a big fan of the defensive side of the ball and... I think you've shown that one man can't carry a defense. He can lead a defense, but he can't carry it. And there was, there were signs after Bill O'Brien was dismissed and you didn't quite know what direction you're going. And then there comes out rumors of what calling other defenders out in the dressing room mm. and things like that. It just seemed from that point, the whole season just had a, an unrest feel about it, an uneasy feel that something behind the doors there was, was going on. Well, yeah, what did come cool. out, didn't he? He came out and slated yeah. the whole organisation off. I yeah, don't know, as a fan, what you felt about that, Graham? Well, I was glad he blasted them, you know? Even if it's the last thing he does in a <laughs> Texans <laughs> representative. He then apologised to Watson, didn't he, after the season? Yeah. But, the, but these guys need to hear this because, like he said, um, if you're not here at work, you don't belong here. You know, just because yep. you make it into the NFL, it doesn't mean you're in the NFL. The work starts here. You know, when these guys get drafted and these guys make it into this 53-man roster, that's when the work starts. And I think any team that's going to pick this lot up, you know, on free agency is going to... They're obviously adding a, a huge talent to their team. You know, I, I don't yeah. blame them for leaving. You know? He, he's and I mean, there's talk as well that the Texans have let him go because it's the right thing to do and the nice thing. Let's not get it wrong. They save money by letting him go. So, uh, yeah, less, that, less. Million, <laughs> million and a half million. Not yeah, go. right. So, yeah, the nice Texans, they've got no they've got no picks in the draft whatsoever. They've got no cap space. So if they can save something somewhere, they're going to try and do what they can at this stage. It's, it's all they can do, right? Yeah, but then you, you could have got some sort of draft capital back for them. Even if it wasn't like first rounders, you know, you could have picked up a second yeah. or third or something like that. You could have got some draft capital back off of him. So or maybe even some rookies somewhere that can fill in holes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Charles Omanehu, he's looking, he's quite a decent pass rusher. You know, we'll have to find people to take on the contracts for folk like Whitney Merciless, who um, was posted missing most of the season, mm-hmm. you know, after getting paid his big money. But then there, there's still a problem at NRG. You know, I don't know how much you, you've heard of or know of said Jack Easterby. Mm-hmm. You know, Pat's fans should know him. He was your chaplain. He's the guy behind the guy, isn't he? He's the... Yeah. Yeah, the influence. Yeah. Yeah, but he's pretty much our little finger, you know, from Game of Thrones. Yeah. It's a really good analogy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, he wants this winning culture, but it's at all costs by the sound of things, you know. Supposedly, he was one of the main architects behind DeAndre Hopkins getting traded out. You know, Traded out, given away. Yeah. I, I, I like to say traded out because it doesn't hurt as much. It's like somebody literally took out the black bags of rubbish and then realised that, that Hopkins was with them and <laughs> didn't know where he went. Yeah. Oh no! It's, it's it's now in the truck. It's, it's yeah, the he's, he's gone. I say, Hopkins gets given away. Uh, JJ, what's allowed to walk out? Yeah, 
What's the plan with Watson? I don't, well, I heard to, well, I read uh, in an SI article just recently, uh, actually tonight, but I think it was posted yesterday, that the Carolina Panthers are quite interested with uh, three first rounders and McCaffrey is one of. What, yes, I saw that yesterday. From what I gathered, it was somebody wrote it as potential and it got picked yeah. up by news as real rather than... Yeah. Yeah, it's, all, it's all rumours just now. Yep. You know? I think the key running one is the, the Jets potentially and then there's the the Dolphins with the picks and tour. Yeah. <laughs> set up, which seem to be the two realistic potentials right now. How would you feel about Tua, Graham? Um... You know, I, I only seen bits of him over the season. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I, I, I tend to just watch mostly what the Texans are up to. Mm. I let other teams handle their own business. And what I seen from when Tua come into games, he didn't look as polished as what I'd heard he should be. You know, they had to keep relying back on Fitzmagic. Um, a lot. Of the, the greatest QB in the NFL. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, hell of a QB. You know. His time in Houston was pretty good as well. Yeah. You know, so. Off to the Pats this summer, you watch. Yeah, just running his way around the division, wouldn't he? Yeah, you never know, they might trade us him instead of Tua. <laughs> Give you both of them, because they only come one plays three quarters and then one plays the other quarter. You need the set. Oh, yeah, well, you know, who doesn't collect the whole set? <laughs> <laughs> Graham, so something that I think you and Dan slightly touched on there, and obviously East to is probably a part of that, but the sort of, and and the what outburst is part of that as well. But the sort of the media management and the presentation of the Texans as an organisation seems absolutely deranged, if I'm honest. You know, because you, the, what really struck me, all that sort of stuff built up, but then it was about two weeks after the season where Houston Texans fans were planning on doing a march to uh, try and persuade Watson to stay. And Watson's having to go on Twitter and say, please do not march. Um, yeah, you know, it's just COVID, it's dangerous. Like, oh, this seems, I mean, there must be such frustration as a fan looking at this situation, which constantly seems to have a new layer of unravelling. Yeah, it's the, the whole Easterby situation is causing a lot of anger in the, in the Texan fan community. I know a lot of people are handing back their season tickets because of it. Mm-hmm. They, they just want Easter be gone. They reckon we can't move forward as a franchise because he has the ear of the owner. You know what's what's in it for him though? I, what's his this, end game? This is what it's about. You know, supposedly being such a man of God and that you wonder what he really. You know, there should be no gains to him. Mm. You know, the way he comes across is everything should be done. Um. For others, but it seems a very selfish power grab that he's trying to do. It's almost like he's trying to be like a GM, like a full GM, or he, he, he wants the power of the whole organization. Everything seems to have to channel through him. Even like Cesar, I always get his name wrong, Nick Casario, is it? Yeah. You know, he, uh, even the way we, we went about getting him, like he, you know, when we got caught tapping him up last season and the, mm-hmm. the, the, the Patriots filed a, a lawsuit that was Jack Easterby that was tapping him up at the ring ceremony okay you know so that all stemmed from him so then when we hire a, this organisation to bring in a new GM you know do the search they're going to do the due diligence 
got guys like Tony Dungy in it, Andre Johnson, you know, it's got all these guys, all this knowledge. We're going to find you the best GM candidate you want. Oh, wait, we've just gone with Nick. We've paid the millions of dollars to find a guy, and we just go with the guy that Jack wants. Like, I have no problem with Nick. I think he's going to be a good GM, and I'm going to give him a chance. But I just don't like the process. That's a funny one, though. I think so many people have tried to tear people away from the Pats organization and expect success straight away. But I think, you know, you look at Brady going and what's happened to the Pats this year. And actually, yeah, success. yeah, and a lot of that was all because everyone was together with two crucial parts and you can't expect everyone to have the effect of Bilicek or Brady might have. But, you know, exactly. um, there seems to be so much of let's just grab a bit of what the Pats all have. Well, we tried to not work. You know, because all the coaching staff that come down and, you know, any there was a lot of free agents come down, you know, went after Vince Wolfart, you know, stuff like that. You know, there seems to be... And, and Texans fans are fed up of that tie. Like, the experiment's failed. It's not worked. Let's move on. Let's try something new and fresh. Mm. And to do that, you've got to clear all that, all that mindset out. Start again. Like, D4 was... Uh, supposedly annoyed because he was supposedly meant to be his his opinion was meant to be counted in the GM search and it was ignored. He found out that Nick was hired by text, you know. Okay. And I, and I know a, a quarterback shouldn't have that much influence, but we've waited for the franchise quarterback like him to come along for years. And what you don't do is you don't like piss him off, mm. yeah, and and make him want to leave like. I've not seen anything official from him yet, and I'd like to. You know, it's all hearsay and friend of a friend or a leaked source or something like that. But you really want to hear it from the horse's mouth. Do you want traded? And if so, what can we do to keep you? What would keep you? If he comes out and says, you need to get rid of Jack Easterby, and the Texans don't do that, then the, the franchise has disenfranchised everyone. You know, a lot of ill will there just now. Like, I even thought about hiring a uh, billboard outside NRG. I think you had a few people chip in for that, yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah, I would have done it. <laughs> so where do you go? I mean, it feels like an incredibly dark time. So... What's going? Let's assume we're going to lose Watson one way or another. You may or may not get draft capital of some form or another player. But as it stands today, what's your way out of this? How do the Texans go back to to competing? Um, starts with the front office. You know, get if if they remove that one element. <laughs> hey, even if they got Carl McNair to step down and give it to one of the siblings. You know, let let them run it. Let you know, let someone else run it. Um, but if they sort that out, and they, they take his influence right out, and they let Nick be the GM, and they let hey, let Cully be the head coach. You know what I mean? Let I, I want to see what he can do. Cause that guy's mm-hmm. been in the league a lot of years, and I think that he was he he seems excited. He's ready to go because no other organization's given him this opportunity. And, you know, there's a lot to be said about guys who get their chance, you know. 
So. Yeah, it feels from the outside looking in that it was the best of the people that would actually bother. Yeah. But sometimes those situations can actually make someone appreciate what they've got and therefore they work that extra 10%, right? And that yeah. that's a huge difference. Yeah. 10% more, we've said you lost by one score, would have won you most of them games this year. Exactly. And that's maybe all it's going to take. Now, in his press conference when he got announced, you know, you can't not love the guy. The guy was like pumped. He was full of energy. He even let, you know, his nickname was Double Cross. And you're thinking, <laughs> hey, hey, is he going to double cross Jack? <laughs> you know? Everyone's sitting there with their fingers crossed, you know. <laughs> this, could be, this could be a sign, you know. <laughs> and obviously, Deshaun wanted uh, the enemy, you know. <laughs> I think that was publicly known. Mm. You know, he'd had conversations with Pat Mahomes and stuff about how good he was. But who's giving him a head coaching job? No one. You know? Mm. It, the the guy's got a, a, a checkered past, and maybe that was that that was the contributing factor to why he didn't get our job. We spoke about that. Rob's a Falcons fan, and they found themselves looking for a, a head coach, and and they shied away from him too. And we touched on it before. Yeah. I think that the the checkered past may have a big influence. Yeah, I think I you know as a Falcons fan, you know when we were looking for a head coach this season, I mean Eric Bieniemy was. He started at the top of my list and he was the top of, I think, every team that was looking for a head coach's list. Yeah. Um, you know, there were there were question marks coming out saying like, you know, well, he doesn't call the players, Andy Reid does, but then, you know, the players at Kansas were coming out saying, but it's not just about calling the players, it's about the preparation, it's about the work that he puts in with the team and, and he does a great job of that. And, you know, everybody in Kansas seemed to give him a glowing reference. I think... The reason I think the Falcons shied away from him was like Dan said. I mean, Arthur Blank, the Falcons owner, likes a squeaky clean ship. And I think the moment that any sort of checkered history came out, then that's probably why why he um, shied away from it. And I know things come out about, you know, black GMs and black head coaches, and I don't think that's... I don't think that was behind it with the Falcons, certainly. Because when we went out for GMs, we only interviewed black GMs, yeah. candidates. And um, I don't, you know, I think, I honestly think Arthur Blank would have gone with whoever he thought was the best candidate, irrespective of, you know, their colour, their race. Yeah their religion, whatever, which is obviously the right the right thing to do. The best candidate should get it. And I think at the end of it, he decided that Eric Bianemi wasn't, probably due to due to things that had come up in the past. And yeah. at the end of the day, this is his second season that every team has made a pass on Bianemi. From yeah. a Texans coaching point of view though, that wasn't the only one that Watson would have been too happy with uh, would have been happy with though, because there was a lot of talk of his old Clemson coach. Yeah, as well, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah, it seemed to be that it, it honestly feels like every move they've made is to counteract anything that he like endorsed. <laughs> that, it's like, like that. It does seem like a power struggle, like, right? Yeah. 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 It, it generally does. Like, I don't know if you've read the Sports Illustrated articles about um, Jack Easterby. No. I haven't, I, no. 
I would definitely look them up. You will be shocked. You know, the guy was supposedly getting players followed home from the, the facility to make sure they weren't hanging about with the wrong people. Jeez. You know. And so we had their best, had their best uh, thoughts at heart, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? That, that, and he, he's, he's trying to promote a culture. Now, what's the culture? Mistrust? Hmm. Yeah. You know? so, so what does next season... What makes a success next season? Where where would you, as a fan, deem that, hey, we've not had a bad year? I think if we can still beat the Jags in the division, you know, that'll, I would deem that as a slight success. If we can polish up our defence, you know, there are certain numbers in there. Like, the amount of games I watched and we were, like, third, the other team was, like, third and... 15, 3rd and 21 and they're making the first down, you know, that kind of plays, you know, that chunk plays just improving things, just tweaking it, you know, improving it getting a, a, a better run game going you know, better blocking schemes from your O-line you know, just I think next year's this this season coming up is going to be like a very much tweak it year for the Texans you know, mm-hmm. I'm not expecting big things I don't want us to get blown out. I want us to improve the fundamentals of our team, you know, and and just hopefully we get this front office sorted out. So you're looking at a 500 year or? I would think we'd be lucky. Yeah, I was going to say, Graham, do you fear a blowout year? Because from the outside looking in, particularly if Watson goes as well, what's already gone, there's obvious issues within the attitude of that organisation. There's, there's got to be a chance it could be a you know a, a really bad season. Not you know not to really yeah. mean, but yeah, and I've I've seen bad seasons, but this one's shaping up to be bad in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the from what I've seen of the bad seasons in the past is we've been we've let it slide because we know we're going to bounce back. But this season, if, if it as bad as this past season was this upcoming season, I think it's going to be a very much, where's the, where's the light at the end of the tunnel? Mm. You know, I, I, I've said it on, on other shows, you know, I, we're, mm-hmm. we're going to be the new Browns. The <laughs> nice. You're fundamentally better light than the Browns at the starting <laughs> point, so I think you'll be okay. Yeah, but I mean, <clears throat> as it goes to being an organisation on the field mm-hmm. and how it's run, yep. you know, there's a lot of similarities. Playoffs for 18 seasons, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, I think there's a lot of work got to go in there, hasn't there? When you look at, you know, Will Fuller gets banned for for Peds. Bradley Roby you, too. Yeah, yeah. You've let JJ Watt go for for nothing but a bit of saving on your cap space. I think your cap space is only just over three million next year, anyway. And Deshaun Watson is desperate to get out. I mean. At the moment, looking at it, you, you're a franchise in a bit of disarray, aren't you? And how yeah. do you, you know, you've no first round draft pick as of yet. You know, if you do trade Watson, then depending whether, you know, you get players and draft capital or draft capital, you know, we don't know that. But you are in disarray at the moment. I mean, where do you see you going, really? I, I don't know where the bottom is. That's where I'm at just now. You know, when you, you say you're, you're going to you come up after you hit bottom, we're still falling. 
Texas. Now, in my opinion, you know, I'm still a Texans fan as well. You know, there, there's some mm. guys out there just now that even when you still support the team, you're getting flack. You know, like, supporting the teams, it's, it's different feels, you know what I mean? I can't, yeah, I can't, well, walk, I I can't walk away from them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the, the full ins and outs, but, you know, I look at the trades you've done. I look at, you know, Fuller getting banned for Peds. I look at JJ Watt releasing a video slating everyone. I look at Sean Watson wanting out. I look at all the hate that Easterby's getting. And I just, you know, I feel sorry for Texans fans. It must just mm. be a, a horrible place to be in right now. And, you know, I hope that, you know, things do improve for you as a franchise for the, for the fans. Yeah, even Cully's like press conference when he got uh, introduced, the amount of vitriol that I was watching on it about him getting the position, it's like Jesus, give the man a chance, you know. I'll I'll give I'll give anyone that that chance, you know. He, he he's not done anything wrong in this franchise yet to to get that. All he did was accept the job, <laughs> and maybe no one else wanted the job. So where are you going to yeah. go? Tough one. Mm. Well, Graham, we're going to call it a day there for now, yeah. but uh, tell anybody that is listening where, where they can follow you and, and who you are and what you do. Yeah, well, I'm at um, Texans UK uh, on Twitter. I'm also uh, at the one handle on Twitter as well. That's where you can find my personal page and my personal opinions. I try and keep it on the level with the Texans UK, but you'll get a bit more of the uh, the insight on my own personal page. Um, I'm also known as the Kilted Texan on there. So <laughs> you'll be able to see me there. And that's how I'm known on Instagram. Kilted Texan. So yeah, check us out on there. Awesome. Yeah, the Texans UK page is just like a place for people to come and see Texans content. You know, the guys can start up their own conversations on there. It's just a, yeah. it's just a beacon for them. So yeah. Well done for yeah. organizing it then, mate. Well done. Absolutely. Guys, anything to add? Are we all done? I'm just really no, jealous just, of your man cave, uh, Graham. Apart from that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> jealous of his man cave, but not his football team right now. No. And I'm a Pats fan. That's a lot. I don't blame him. <laughs> Graham, thank you very much for joining us, my friend. Cheers, I think Graham, we all hope things sort themselves out for, for you and other Texans fans out there. And it's yeah, a tough place to be. So good luck to you, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.